It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you into this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. This is the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, April 26th. We're glad you're part of the program tonight. Look forward to hearing from you. 877-381-4567. Email questions at collegeview.com. Or joining the chat room to the right of your video window tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. Looking forward to a good discussion on the virtual Bible study. We are looking forward to that, and we're looking forward to your participation as well. The subject tonight? We're going to talk about some attempts that people make to make religion easier, to try and sort of water it down to make it so that people can be religious without really putting any effort into it. We think it's a mistake, obviously, but there's there's evidence, plenty of evidence that this sort of thing takes place, and so we're going to talk about attempts to make religion easy in our study tonight. All right, so we want to hear from you. Have you seen where people are trying to make religion easy? And do you think that's right? Should religion be easy? Should it be for rigid and regimented? Should it uh, have requirements? What do you think? Let us know your thoughts on the program tonight. Uh, we sent out today earlier to our update list, as we always do on Thursday, what our topic was going to be, and we asked some questions to try and get you thinking about uh, the discussion, get your feedback started, and we've got some feedback tonight. Uh, here are the questions we put out to our list. You can always get on our list by sending us an email, questions at collegeview.com. Put me on the list. That's all you got to say. Here's our questions we sent out today. Number one, do you have any examples from the news or from your own personal experience of people trying to make it easier to serve God? That was number one. Basically, we're just asking, have you you seen or heard anything like that? Uh, Are we getting a lot of static? We are getting some static, so we'll we'll work on that. You just keep going there, and we'll, we'll go. Number two, we ask, give verses that define the level of commitment that the Lord demands. In other words, what is it that God wants from us? What does he expect and demand based on the scriptures? Number three, Jesus taught the principle of counting the cost before deciding to follow him. What are some of the costs associated with serving the Lord? I think that's an important part of what we wanted to talk about tonight. Because I really don't think that people spend a lot of time counting the cost. That's a very important consideration. So we're going to talk about that. What are some of the various costs associated with being a, a disciple of the Lord? And then number four, just a little specific uh, question. When Jesus said things like, let the dead bury their dead, are, was, he, was he being mean or hard-hearted or overly demanding when he said things like, let the dead bury the dead? So we'll, we'll talk about that in our discussion toward the end. All right. Uh, those are interesting questions, and we look forward to uh, your answers to those. And, uh, boy, that's static. I don't know. I guess we're going to have to live with it. Do we know where it's coming from? I don't know where it's coming from. Anthony, do you know where it's coming from? I'm afraid my guess would be pretty much worthless. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, we didn't get all our cameras on, Anthony. I see we've got a couple yeah, cameras that are not turned on. Exactly. So you yeah. might get to those in a minute. Okay. Uh, the, the thought for this study was generated when I saw a news article on the Internet out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida, by a CBS affiliate and the Associated Press reports, Fort Lauderdale Church offers drive-through prayer service. That, that uh, sounds interesting. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's, uh, the article is a short one. I'll read it here. For our, our busy lives on the go, drive-through service comes in handy. From coffee and donuts to burgers and fries, drive-through service makes getting what we need a lot more convenient. Yes, it does. Now the Christian Life Center of Fort Lauderdale wants to pray for you. 
The Pentecostal congregation has been offering drive-through prayer services every Friday for the last month, according to the Sun Sentinel. Mm-hmm. Outreach pastor Saul Levy says many get it outreach. Yeah, about the yeah, drive-through yeah, yeah, window. Right, right. Uh, outreach pastor Saul Levy says many who pass through have never been inside a church and are often at the end of their rope. The volunteers offer to pray with them on any issue, big or small, from a rough day at work to divorce and foreclosure. Church leaders say the initiative is starting to gain popularity and has served about 150 people so far. Wow. In other words, these are people who've never been inside a church. They have such issues as divorce going on in their life, and we're going to take care of that with a prayer at a drive-through window. Mm-hmm. Pretty amazing. But that's, that's, just, yeah. that's just an example of the kind of thing that we're talking about here. Uh, some people uh, trying to make it real easy uh, to serve God. Okay. What do you think about that? Do you think we ought to, uh, maybe uh, other churches ought to follow the lead? Uh, should you start, uh, maybe you could uh, petition the elders of the congregation where you attend, and maybe you need to put a window on the side of your building. Well, and, uh, maybe so. Start driving up. We ask if, if any of our listeners had any examples. If you're in the chat room and you have some examples of this sort of dumbing down of religion, I guess that's what we could call it. Uh, give us your example. Chris in Atlanta says there was a denominational church near me that was offering services in their parking lot similar to a drive-in. You could tune your radio to a particular frequency and listen to the service. Uh, he goes on to say, not sure if they sold cotton candy and popcorn in the parking lot. Wow. I've heard of things like that. I've heard of some places that have sort of what you used to have at the old drive-in movie theater where you hang a speaker in the car window and you could listen to the service, but you never had to get out of your car. I'm going to have uh, to think. I think we ought to look into that. Well, yeah, I know you're being facetious there, but that's that's the kind of thing that we uh, have in mind uh, in our study tonight. Uh, Chris in uh, the U.K., who is also in the chat room tonight. Welcome, Chris. We're glad that you're here. says, I know none... Uh, no examples from the news, but could it be the gospel becoming, as it were, an incant- incantation? Repeat after me some prayer line by line, and boom, you're saved. The worship band that denies the need for you to have your heart prepared with the hymn, psalm, or spiritual song uh, to bring sacrifice to praise, the fruit of your lips, the order of service. So all you uh, need to do is stand up, sit down, and say the lines on your handout, the word being put on a screen so you don't have to bring your own Bible. Uh, the notices uh, which make the prayer meeting sound nothing more like a social gathering, like the weekly coffee morning or nursery group rather than the engine room uh, of the whole thing, so to speak. Uh, the notion that all, that all you have to do is to spread the word or the gospel is to give a sum of money or worse still below some expression of sowing into the ministry. Interesting. Well, you know, I, I, that is an interesting take on it. You know... This this uh, move towards sort of entertainment worship, I think, is what Chris has in mind there. And I think that that might be also sort of this attempt to make it easy. I'm not really a participant. I'm an observer. I'm here to be entertained. Uh, get, get a good singing group up there. Get a quartet. Get a band. Because we want to feel the experience. We want to be entertained. It's real easy. Just come and take a seat and watch the show. And that might be a good example of the kind of thing that, we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, that is interesting. Have, have you, you know, you can watch a lot of these denominational services. You don't have to go now. You can watch the recordings of their their, their services online. Have you ever watched some of these mega oh, churches? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. They got the band up. I mean, it's a full band. Oh, yeah. It, and, it's, it's, it's a, it's a regular entertainment show. Oh, it looks like you're at a concert. There's yeah. lights and all kinds of uh, theatrical effects. And uh, I guess you just sit back and enjoy well, I hadn't really thought about that as being an example of what we're talking about tonight, but as Chris has brought it to our attention, I think that that probably is an example of an attempt to sort of make religion of mass appeal, get, get everybody interested in it. That's a good comment. Thank you, Chris, for that tonight. Uh, Don in Antioch, Tennessee, says, I think the main thing going on nowadays that makes it easy to follow Jesus are the judge none, love all attitudes of those who misunderstand the scriptural concepts of judging and love for your neighbor. For example, if you judge someone righteously, you will be put down and accused of being judgmental and not a loving person. I think Don is on to another example of what we're talking about here. Religion should be so easy that I'm not subject to any scrutiny. In other words, no one should say that this is wrong and that's wrong and you can't do that and please don't do that because it's not true to the word. Nobody can say that. And so again... I think Don is on to something, too. Probably another good example of the idea that we're trying to develop tonight 
the concepts the of judge yeah, none don't love be, all don't be controversial don't don't and don't be judgmental as yeah. they would say all right and uh well anthony's here anthony is behind the controls anthony you sent in a response earlier today do you remember what you wrote <laughs> that's a tough question you put okay. me on the spot there no but yeah um you know just trying to i don't have any specific things that uh, that i've come across like you were talking about the drive-in thing and but just to me, the things that came to mind were just just the whole TV uh, televangelism in general. Just the idea that you can uh, just sit sit in your easy chair and and watch these guys on TV, and that you're sort of worshiping God that way. Um, similar though to some of the things you guys talked about, I have seen a, a group in Florida somewhere along the Panhandle that that offers like a beach. You know, a, oh. a uh, church service on the beach. So I don't know if there's a dress code, <laughs> dress code or what. But anyway, so just the again the idea of in the common theme I think in all of those things is what's in it. You know, what makes me happy, what makes me more comfortable, what make you know, it's all self-centered. I think is the issue there. And you mentioned the the, the sinner's prayer, Anthony. In your oh response. right, yeah, I yeah, see, so, forgot that. <laughs> you got me there. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, and I think Don maybe was the one who mentioned in in his email, perhaps that was just talking about the whole, essentially the I'm okay, you're okay, you don't have to just come as you are, and I mean that's that's very prevalent. I remember um, when I was a teenager, I had some friends who were members of denominations and would go with them to various little social outings and. You know, at the end, they would say, "Okay, well, let's all, you know, let's say this prayer." And if, and then, at the end, they would say, "Well, who said the prayer with us?" And, and okay, well, you're saved now if you said the prayer. All right. So pretty, pretty crazy. Yeah. John is in Oklahoma tonight. John uh, sends in his comments in the chat room. He says, "Early morning services or Saturday services for those that can't make it to the regular services or those that have other plans for later in the you day." You know, if I could go to church on Saturday night, then Sunday would be wide open for fishing or golf or any number of other activities. Yeah. You know, so let me let me get it out of the way, make it easy so that I don't have to sacrifice anything I want to do on Sunday. Saturday night, after all the busy activities of Saturday have been accomplished, I'll sneak over to the church for a half hour or so, and then I can I can check that off. I got that done, and Sunday is wide open. You know, there are a number of churches who are having Saturday night services. Well, and, it, and, and I remember back in uh, uh, oh back about ten fifteen years ago, Nashville got uh, an NFL team, and there was a church uh, that was on my on my commute to where I worship. There was a church there who decided they wanted to be popular with the masses. They had gotten the big playground outside that looked, I mean, it was a, it was a killer playground for the kids. But now they were going to have Saturday services so you could go to church on Saturday and then catch the football game on Saturday morning, yeah. or Sunday morning. Yeah. Um, uh, our friend Gary in Bowling Green, Kentucky, sent me an article that he had actually written that's going to be published soon. And I won't take, I won't read it all. I won't steal all of his thunder, but... Uh, he said he had been thinking along the same lines as our theme for tonight. And he and basically he pointed out something that we might throw into the mix here, that this is not absolutely a new thing. I think we're seeing it sort of grow exponentially, oh, but it's been around for a while. Uh, he quoted Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a German Lutheran the- theologian who's pretty well known. His mo- most influential book was published in 1937 called Discipleship. Mm-hmm. And here's just a quote. Cheap grace is preaching forgiveness without requiring repentance, baptism without church discipline, communion without confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. Cheap grace is the deadly enemy of our church. We are fighting today for costly grace. In other words, he's saying cheap grace was sort of destroying the... He he was in the German uh, Lutheran church, and he was saying... This is this is is going to cost us. We keep trying to make it so easy for people. Back in you know almost a hundred years ago, and then uh, he he said this is not a, this this continued. He said uh, there was a more in the eighties and nineties. Uh, John MacArthur wrote a book called "Ashamed of the Gospel: When the Church Becomes Like the World," uh-huh. and so he he's just documented. Uh, uh, several things uh, that indicate this is not a new phenomenon that we're dealing with. 
and I think he's right, but I do think that we may see it sort of exploding. For instance, that that uh, uh, church that we referenced at the start, that was a Pentecostal church in, in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. That's doing it. And typically you would think of the Pentecostals as being relatively conservative. Yeah, 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 I would think so. But even they are, are, are going that route. Well, so. it's a temptation in the draw. We'll talk about this more on the other side of the break. Um, but uh, there's a question in the chat room. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it or not. Uh, the question is, what about having a worship service over the Internet? Yeah, let's talk about that when yeah, we get back. And then we got to get It's heating up with the comments on yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, uh, Dell in the chat room says, I like the fact that you can watch a religious program on your TV, and all you have to do is touch your TV screen to be saved, plus send in a love offering. I guess this guarantees that you're being saved. So, I think that's probably tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. 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 But, I mean, that's pretty no, much That's the way they present yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, we'll take a break, and, um, well, we may look into this static. I don't know. It's right. not It's not very pleasant. No. I sort of feel like I'm on AM radio. Yeah, I, but it's coming and going. It makes me think it may be uh, our, our service provider no. rather than us. No, it's not. It's us. It's There's us. something. Okay. Think, yeah, okay. We'll figure something out here. All, All right. right. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study will continue right after this. Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the Virtual Bible Study right after these important messages. Do you remember a time when no one had ever heard of a church with a family life center or a gymnasium? Can you think back to a time when Good Brethren would have been outraged to see a church budget overloaded with kitchen equipment and supplies, athletic equipment, and buses to carry kids to amusement parks? Are you concerned because the church you're attending has gotten all wrapped up in things that you know should not even be a part of the work of the church? Would you like to find a congregation that is committed to simply doing Bible things in Bible ways? If so, please visit the College View Church of Christ. Come see for yourself. Here are some quotes worth pondering. To make the most of your life, make God's goals your goals. We may successfully fool others, but God knows our hearts. You can't control the length of your life, but you can control its depth. He that will not command his thoughts will soon lose the command of his actions. He who receives a good turn should never forget it. He who does one should never remember it. It's hard to beat a person. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. And when the AM radio is still here, and we just got farther away from the station. Yeah, I think we're 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 losing ground. It sounds like our spark plug wires. <laughs> need new yeah. spark plug yeah. wires. Remember that? All right. Let's go. Let's back up into um, uh, the chat room when uh, guest eighteen asks, "Is doing worship service via internet okay?" Uh, and he says, like Tim Tebow does it because of his popularity. Does Tim Tebow do? Uh, well, I think they, he was at a he was at some denominational church recently, and they probably streamed their services over the internet. But, oh, because he was so popular, they couldn't fit everything. Yeah, and uh, uh, John mentions that uh, in Oklahoma we stream our worship, but everyone understands that if they're watching via the internet, they're not actually worshiping with us. But those that are sick or shut in can at least hear the lesson. We do the same thing here sometimes. We don't do it all the time. But if we have a person who's not able to be at the services, uh, we do sometimes stream the services so they can watch at home. But I'm like, John, I don't think that they can consider that as participation in the worship. They're observing. They're able to hear the teaching. But, for instance, I believe in the uh, observance of the Lord's Supper, that's that's done in the assembly of the saints. uh, and yes, the singing has to be reciprocal as well. Right, singing has to be reciprocal. It's a one another kind of thing. Uh, it is the assembly. It is, and so that you have to come together in an assembly. And I don't think you can do that uh, uh, by internet proxy. <laughs> okay, right, right. Uh, and uh, well, Anthony, uh, you, you, what do you think? Do you agree? 
Yeah, I agree. I, I think, you know, assembling is a physical assembly. That's, you know, obviously we have to be physically together to be able to partake of the Lord's Supper, to give, to sing. So, um, you know, I I fully support, you know, the, the added benefit of, of streaming the services for people who can't physically get out. But otherwise, I don't see it as a substitute. Okay. All right. All right. So... I think we've pretty well set the stage. I mean, we understand what people are trying to do. Now, I think to show that this is a, is a flawed thing, that you can't do it, let's look, I ask, give verses that define the level of commitment that the Lord demands. And we've got some feedback uh, on this. Um, Chris in Atlanta mentions uh, Luke 9. I'm just going to read these real quick because I, I think this will give us a flavor of the kind of commitment Jesus wants. Luke 9, beginning verse 23, he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and my words of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and in the Father's and of the holy angels. So, some really significant words there. You have to deny yourself. You have to take up a cross, which is really vivid imagery of the kind of cost that he's expecting you to be willing to pay. Uh, you have to be willing to lose your life. Uh, if figuratively, if not literally, you give up self to serve the Lord. So those are pretty strong uh uh, levels of commitment that he's expecting. And he also references 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, where that uh, commitment is elaborated upon. Beloved, uh, 1 Peter 4, 12 through 19, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fire trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you, but rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you, for the spirit of of glory and of God resteth upon you, and on their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evil evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God, and if it first begin at us, what shall be the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely uh, be saved, where shall the ungodly and sinner appear? Wherefore, let him that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. All right. And he also mentions one more, and we'll try to deal with these quickly. Revelation 2.10. Uh, the Lord said to the church at Smyrna, Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that you may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. So uh, here is a church that was already being badly persecuted. Jesus indicated to them it's likely to get worse before it gets better. And, you know, so what do you say? Why don't you slow down a little bit and don't put yourself out there so much? Why don't you take it a little easier so that you're not being persecuted so badly? No, he, he expected them to bear that. Yeah. Even to death, be thou faithful unto the point of death. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. That's the kind of commitment he wants. That's a really good verse there. Chris in the U.K. gave a whole bunch of verses, and we're just going to have time to just touch a few of those. He mentions Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Chris comments, It's a devotion that involves your whole being. Your heart, which is your will, your soul, which is your emotions, and your mind, which is your intellect or your reasoning. Uh, let's see, trying to pick out some others uh, that, that he has here. That's um, not nice, Guess 18 says. The more you guys talk, the more the noise. <laughs> well, that's the way it usually goes. Uh, Luke 14, 27, 28. Whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me, he cannot be my disciple. Or which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost whether you have enough to finish it? Uh, and Chris mentions one that would even see his life as one that is not his own but is given now for the Lord that he serves. So lots of verses like that suggest this level of commitment that Jesus wants. Yes. We got any Certainly. others? Appreciate all those uh, those references, Chris. Uh, uh, Don says, deny yourself, take up your cross, Matthew 16, 29, die daily, 1 Corinthians 15, 31, be hated by others, Luke 6, 22, 
Be willing to hate father, mother, wife, children, sister, brothers, and your own life to follow Jesus. Luke 14, 26. Excellent comments there, uh, again, from Don, as uh, well as from Chris and from the other Chris. Uh, and uh, Anthony, you mentioned some of the same ones in your email. Matthew 10, 37, Luke 9, 23, Luke 9, 62, Luke 17, 10, Matthew 19, 16, and following Second Timothy 3, 12. Jesus also said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. This is not a contradiction, but a wonderful paradox. The faithful servant does not see the commands of the Lord as burdensome, but rather joyful, as Peter said in 1 Peter 3.14. But and if you suffer for righteousness', righteousness sake, happy are you. Good comments there. Uh, the, 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 Anthony, comment on that a little more. You know, the, the faithful people of God who did willingly lay down their lives did not see that as a overpowering, burdensome thing that they were doing. Right, and... Um there, you know, there's a reference there at one point, I believe, in Acts, you know, where they had been cast out or they'd been beaten, you know, by the the council or whatever, and and you know, they sort of got together and kind of gave themselves a, a a group hug. It's like, yeah, you know, we we did it. They were happy in, in a way, but so there's that aspect. But you know, as we go through our day to day lives, it's not like it's a drudgery if we're if we're truly applying Jesus's teachings and and the apostles' teachings, we get benefit from that, it, and it doesn't seem like a burden because we're getting the benefits of it. So uh, it's not it's it's not a burden. His, you know, the yoke is easy. So all right, good good thoughts. I had one other verse that that didn't come up. I had written down in my notes Matthew six thirty three. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. God demands to be first. And his cause demands to have top priority in our life. So what level of commitment is he asking? Is, is he asking for somebody who is a Christian, but that that's only uh, a, a part of what he does, not the whole he, he just uh, He serves, he goes to church on Sunday, he does a few extra things maybe throughout the week, but he's really busy about a whole lot of other things. And truthfully, if you could get him to describe his priorities, he'd say, other things come before. It, it certainly by demonstration of example, he lets other things come before his service to God. That's that's not going to get the job done. Seek ye first, first, tops, number one priority. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. That's what he demands. You know, uh, back to Gary's uh, email or article that he sent in about that. This is nothing new. It reminded me of when Jesus threw the uh, money changers and uh, those who uh, sold uh, sacrifices in the temple. You know, that was the that was what they were getting at then back even in in Jesus's time that 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 you know don't don't trouble yourself just take care of it when you get here yeah so, yeah so it, it dates all the way back to Jesus yeah it dates all the way back to Jesus uh, uh but you know the mainline denominations have just pretty much lost it in this day and time by virtue of dumbing down their 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 worship and their service and their requirements of discipleship they've just pretty well lost it all yes all right well let us in the chat room henry p says it's really cutting in and out hard to follow we've got the solution for that henry what you need to do is you take some aluminum foil and put it around your antenna yeah that'll help with the reception (laughs) a little bit i don't know of course henry's far away in uh, over in the uk that's what uh but uh are are the others anybody else out there in the chat room give us a comment how bad is it do we need to stop reboot the problem is yeah we're gonna have to reboot i think to get rid of it yeah Yeah, so uh, if, if it's bad enough to demand that, if you're in the chat room, tell us if you think that's worthwhile. We'll, we'll give consideration here at our halftime break. Okay. We'll take a break, and we'll get this week's bullet point. Uh, we we'll look forward to hearing from you during the break. Uh, send us your thoughts. Uh, give us a call. Toll free, 877-381-4567. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Did you hear about the fellow out in California that had his 122nd birthday? In an interview, he said that he could tell his age was really beginning to catch up with him. Said he knew the reason why, too. He blamed his failing health on the fact that he hasn't worked a good hard day's work since he was 116 years old. Wow, there's lots of lessons to be learned from this remarkable voice of experience. For one thing, certain elements of our society need the reminder that man has a basic need for work. It's part of God's design as as seen way back in the Garden of Eden. Look at Genesis chapter 2 verse 15. God's word often condemns the lazy and idle man. In fact, we're told in plainest terms that the man who will not work should not be allowed to eat. 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 10. 
Many current problems would be solved if these simple principles were observed. Some of our senior citizens need to take note of this gentleman's observations as well. Many older folks are inclined to sit at home, constantly reminding themselves and others about all their aches and pains. Rather than keeping active, they excuse themselves on the basis of their age. They don't seem to realize that this will only make them older faster. If you're in this category of older folks, take time to read the story of Caleb, who demanded the right to keep fighting for the promised land despite his old age, in Joshua chapter 14. But maybe the best lesson from this old-timer has an application to all of us who are Christians. The simple point is this, when we stop working, we start dying. Here my meaning is not physical, but spiritual. We cannot allow ourselves to be inactive in the Lord's work, or else we will immediately begin to lose our spiritual health. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58 says, Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. How about you? Are you working? That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I am Nestor Sanchez from Arica, Chile, in South America. And I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. And this moment, I invite you to participate in this program, too. Gracias. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the program tonight as we talk. Uh, we, are we good? Can you, can you hear me? Welcome back to the program tonight. Uh, they're saying in, in the chat room, don't reboot. It's not worth it. Let's keep going. We'll have, we'll. we'll We'll muddle through with the with the static for another half hour, and then hopefully next week we'll have it improved. All right, uh, and uh, we look forward to hearing from you as we talk about easy religion. Should religion be easy? Uh, does it need to be uh, difficult? Uh, I got a uh, an email from Randy in Michigan uh, who gives some of the same verses talking about commitment that the Lord demands. He references Luke fourteen twenty five, which we mentioned. Uh, Matthew 10:37 through 40. He, this is a good one. I don't think we read all this. Matthew 10:37, beginning, He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. He that receiveth you receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. And um, Don uh, referenced that one, and that's a good one. Yeah, the, you know... I want to tell you, it's pretty. It's, it's asking a lot to say. I got to love him more than I love my own children, more than I love my own parents. That's pretty. That's, that's asking. A, that's asking a lot. But that's the level of commitment that the Lord is expecting. Not something you hear from the televangelist or yeah. from the mega church. Uh, that's a little different preachers. than driving through a drive-through window, getting a quick prayer, and having everything fixed. And yeah, that, you know that is sort of what the the, the sentiment about religion today is. It's more about what it, what's in it for me. You know, what's it do for me? Yeah, um, you know, one of the things that came to mind when I was thinking about the the topic was, remember the um, the prayer of Jabez? Yeah. Yes. yeah. Talk about what's in it for me. It's like, okay, how do I get rich off of being uh, a, a Christian, supposedly? So that that was sort of the the peak of that whole idea. And, you know, uh, Joel Osteen. Joel Olstein, we've we've talked before plenty of times on the virtual Bible study about the so-called health and wealth gospels. Yeah. Do this, be wealthy. Do this, be healthy. You know, it's all about what I get out of it rather than what I give to it. Right. So I think those are all great examples. I think the first virtual Bible study was on Christianity that hurts, and the the sound the the uh, we had about probably about the same sound quality back then as we're having tonight. But uh, that was uh, you know that's it is it's it's uh, not all about us, and we need to understand that. All right. Um, let's move on to the principle of counting the cost. Jesus, uh, question three was, Jesus taught the principle of counting the cost before deciding to follow him. What are some of the costs associated uh, with serving the Lord? In his email, Randy in Michigan uh, mentions the text in which he definitely uh, uses the expression count the cost. Luke fourteen twenty eight beginning. Which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Lest happily after he hath laid the foundation is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, sitteth down not first and consulteth whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage and desireth conditions of peace. So clearly Jesus was teaching there the idea, you count the cost. Mm -hmm. uh, before you decide to follow me, you make sure you understand what's involved and that you're making a commitment at a level where you'll be able to finish what you started. And so uh, I think this is where a lot of people religiously are letting down. 
they're trying to get people to identify themselves as Christians without any discussion of what's expected of them as disciples. No cost sort of counting involved. Bait and switch kind of technique. Almost, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think that's almost it. Yeah, yeah. You come in you come uh to Jesus and uh be and and you know want to be saved, but uh yeah, don't worry about anything else. And then maybe slide a little bit of that in after the fact. Uh, Jesus uh taught his disciples about counting the cost you ask and uh Chris's response to some of those uh, costs associated with serving the Lord. Complete obedience to his word, regardless of convenience or how pleasant or unpleasant it may be. Being willing to say no to things that can be difficult to say no to, like inappropriate TV shows, in, a, in modest dress, participating in gossip, etc. Devoting regular time to prayer and study instead of other activities. Being at worship and Bible study, not participating in crude talk or jokes. Being willing to risk ridicule and scorn, the cost we have to pay in the United States is actually very low compared to other parts of the world. A lot of our costs deal with material issues. Other parts of the world deal with risk of harm or death. God has given us much in the USA and will expect much from us. All right. That's Sobering exactly. thoughts from Chris. I think he's exactly right that we live in a time and in a place where uh, we don't have to pay the price that some people have paid and are continuing to pay in order to be Christians. In other words, when we come to worship services at, a, at an appointed time, we have absolutely no fear or dread that there be somebody here to maybe, you know, threaten our lives because we've assembled with other Christians to worship. But there are people in the world today who do have that threat. Certainly there have been people historically who had that kind of threat. We're not asked to pay those kind of costs. We're not, that, that burden is not ours. So we've got it easy in regards to those things. But Chris mentions another, a, a number of, I think, pretty significant things. Complete obedience, whether it's something we like or something we don't like. Yeah. And, and then I think he gives some examples to that, uh, of that sort of thing. Don't watch inappropriate shows in the movies, TV, or Internet. Well, maybe I'd like to do that, right. but i got to give that up. Right. Or, or uh, uh, he, he talks about modest clothing. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, a lot of people are not willing to give up their immodest dress, but those are the kind of things that, whether you like it or not, or whether it's something that, that's easy or not, those are the cost of being a disciple of Jesus. Discipleship has to cost something, and a lot of people are unwilling bear the cost. That's right. Uh, and uh, some are willing to do it if it makes sense to them, but if they can't, uh, if the instruction doesn't make sense to them, they can't understand why God would want that from them, and so they're unwilling to do it. Uh, again, that's easy religion. If, if you're just doing what makes sense to you, what you wanted to do anyways, and you're not making any sacrifices, that's just easy religion. Uh, and uh, we have uh, Chris in the U.K., he references uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Was that that's, the same? That's a guy Gary, yeah, Gary reference. He says the Christian life is not adding Jesus uh, to one's own way of life, but renouncing that personal way of life for his and, and being willing to pay whatever cost it may require. If there's no cross in our current life, how can we expect the title of good and faithful servant in heaven is a question that Chris asked. But I like uh, that quote that he has there that, being a Christian is not about adding Jesus to your own way of life, but renouncing your own personal way of life for his and being willing to pay whatever cost it may require. Very good. Very good. You know, there's a Bible verse that comes to mind here in regards to this. Uh, and many of you will remember Second Samuel 24, 24. David had sinned, and so in order, and a plague was on the people because of the sin that David had committed. And so... Uh, in Second Samuel twenty four twenty four, uh, he was offered a, a man named Aranau offered to give him uh, a place to build a sacrifice, uh, an altar for sacrifice, and and the materials and the animals to sacrifice on the altar. And uh, David said, "No, but I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord our God." O oh Lord my God, of that which doth cost me nothing. Yeah. David said, I'm not going to make a sacrifice. It's not a sacrifice if I don't have to pay something for it. I'm not offering anything to the Lord if I'm not giving something up in the exchange. And so he said, I'm not going to do that. I, I, I'm surprised that you had to bring that verse up. I thought our listeners would have brought that up. That that passage it gives us the concept. And I guess it is a good uh, a moment to pause and think about our own uh, commitment, as Chris has asked here about uh, bearing crosses. What are you giving up? 
Anthony, what's, what's religion costing you? If it's not costing you something, then you're not doing it right. Exactly, yeah. Um, you know, Jesus wouldn't have even mentioned counting the cost if it didn't involve you know, some level of sacrifice and some level of, of commitment and change. And as we've said already, the, the, such a big theme today is, you know, you don't have to change anything. Just, just come on and you're okay. So, um, I think you're right. Don in Antioch said, if you really follow Jesus, you will be hated by others, made fun of, and considered an outcast. Your own family members will turn from you and accuse you of being brainwashed or in some kind of a cult. You will have to be content and not covet all the material things that can take you to hell. Good comments. you got to be willing to pay that price. Exactly right. All right, Anthony, you had some cost as well in your email earlier today. You remember those? Uh, <laughs> we're going to have to read them for him. He said, if you become a Christian while you are an, in an unlawful marriage, obedience will cost you that. It could cost you your job, your friends, your status, or reputation among worldly people. It will cost some time, even if you just attend services on Sunday morning. It will cost you money if you're obedient. It will cost you some of your personal freedoms as you are bought with a price. It could cost you your life. Really good, Anthony. Well said. I think in relation to Don's email, guest 18 says, look at the rich young ruler. Very sad story that is. And uh, he was unwilling to pay the price. He was unwilling uh, to sacrifice. And, uh, you know, in the drive-through uh, religion world today, I'm sure that the message from many preachers, oh, you know, rich young ruler, keep all you got, that's okay. Just, uh, you know, drive on through here and then go about your way and uh, don't worry about this. Uh, yeah. But uh, that's not the message that Jesus had for him. Okay. And uh, uh, guest 918, who's listening in Ohio tonight, said, uh, references Romans 12, verse 1, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God. All right. That doesn't sound very convenient. All right. In my notes, I had four categories of things, Jacob. There are going to be some things you can't do. There are going to be some friends you can't keep. There are going to be some sacrifices you have to make. And there's going to be constant work to do. Maybe might expand upon those just a little bit. Uh, in 1 Peter chapter 4, uh, beginning in verse 3, 1 Peter 4, verse 3, Peter says, the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excessive wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries, wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excessive riot, speaking evil of you. In other words, what Peter is saying there is before we became Christians, we did a whole bunch of stuff. Right. And it was really wasted time. He said, basically, we wasted enough time doing that in the past. We shouldn't be doing that anymore. So he's saying, quit doing those things. When you quit doing those things, people are going to think you are strange. The people in the world, even the people you used to associate with, are going to think that you're strange. Oh, I, you know, that's a pretty good test that we all can submit ourselves to. Do people think I'm strange in, yeah. in regards to the level of commitment uh, of my Christianity? Is, is, disciples, is my discipleship, discipleship distinct enough that it causes some people of the world who who don't have the same values at all, obviously. They say, that guy is odd. I mean, he is weird. They speak evil. If nobody's speaking evil of us, then we're not at the level that Peter was describing in that text. Yeah. So we got to we we've got to. There are things that we can't do as disciples of the Lord that should make us quite different from the world, to the point that the people of the world would say. That guy's odd. Anthony, yes. Yeah, I was just going to say, actually, if you kind of think about it in a weird way, it's, it's getting easier every day to be weird because the world and our society in, in the United States is getting more and more uh, perverted, if you will. So if we maybe. just stay constant, we should, by default, stand out more. <laughs> yeah. So Maybe not easier, maybe not easier, but maybe more necessary. Right, well, necessary. More distinguishable, more distinguishable yeah. at you, least. Right. Yeah, yeah so, right. You know what I'm saying? I, you're saying there's more points and more areas where you can look weird. Right, yeah. so if we're still not weird in the, the year 2012 with all the terrible things that are around us, then something's really wrong is kind of where I was going. Well, you're saying, like, you know, the... 30 years ago, you know, if you were stayed married to your wife and didn't get a divorce or you weren't addicted to drugs and and an alcoholic, then you would and that's pretty normal. Right, exactly that's what I'm saying, right? Yeah. The curve keeps going in the wrong direction. So if you can't stand out as a Christian in today's society, then maybe you really need to, well, to look at it. I think you're right, but you know, and, and I do think that people if you have a, a a proper level of commitment, some people are going to think you're weird. For instance, 
I, I simply won't go to a movie and watch a, to a PG-13 movie. And if you tell that to people, even people who identify, some who identify themselves as Christians are going to say, that's weird, you don't have to do that. You know, uh, so what we're saying is you have, there, there are some things, at, uh, you got to, you know, you got to own up to this. There are going to be some things that you can't do. That's part of the cost that you're signing on for when you agree to be a Christian. Now, so first of all, things you can't do, friends you can't keep. First Corinthians fifteen thirty three, the New American Standard Version says, "Evil companions corrupt good morals." So here I am. I've decided to become a Christian. I got some people that I've been running with, some associations that I've had with different friends and people that are really bad. They are, they they constantly engaged in stuff that I know I can't do now. Right. <clears throat> And they're not going to change. I've talked to them about it already. I've tried to share my faith with them, but they're not they're not receptive. I'm just going to have to say, that being the case, I'm going to have to probably break it off with them. Yeah. There are going to be some friends that I can't keep. I've got to be willing to pay that price. I'm going to have to be willing to suffer that alienation. Um, I'm trying to think of the verse where Jesus said uh, he, he would set mother against da- daughter-in-law mother. See, yep. where uh-huh. is that? Uh, I'll find it here in a minute. It's um, Matthew, isn't it? Uh, Matthew uh, I'm come 10, 10, 10, 10, 35. Yeah. I am come to set a man at variance against his father and his daughter, and, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Uh, Luke twelve fifty three says, The father shall be divided against the son, the son against the father, the mother against the daughter, the daughter against the mother, the mother-in-law against the daughter-in-law, and the daughter-in-law against the mother-in-law. And you mentioned verse 36 of Matthew 10, The man's foes shall be they of his own household. Yeah. So i got to be willing to pay that price. I mean, I may even be alienated not just from certain friends, but I, and, and I've known plenty of people who have, who have suffered alienation from their family because they made a commitment to the Lord. It's necessary. If it comes, that's necessary. If, if that's what happens, that's what happens. I got to be willing to pay that price. I got to, and I should understand that. I should understand that level of commit. I should count the cost before I commit to the Lord. And I think that maybe we're not doing a good job of explaining that. I know that that, that many in the religious world are not. I'm not even sure that those who are supposedly conservative Christians are really explaining that level of commitment. The people and getting them to understand that's the cost of discipleship. How many times have you preached a hard uh, sermon about uh, sacrifice? Um, you know, some you, you where you really stepped on people's toes. Where you really you pointed out things that needed to change and sacrifices and uh, and prices and costs that needed to be paid. What's the reaction by many people today? Even people who claim to be Christians. Yeah, they don't want to hear it. That's right. They're mad. They, they get mad very often. Yeah, yeah. He right. had no business telling me that. Right. Exactly right. We're not willing to pay the price. All uh, right. We need to take a break and yeah, we'll we wrap this up. Okay, we'll take a break and we'll go to the top of the hour after this. And, uh, give us your thoughts and stay tuned. We'll be back right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. Hi, my name is Mike Smith, and I'm a member of the College of Church of Christ on Hampshire Pike. Let me ask you some questions. Do you remember when churches insisted on Bible authority for everything they did? Can you recall when church members always expected they thus saved the Lord? Can you remember when the church was well known for its book, chapter, and verse style of teaching and preaching? Are you upset because the church you're attending doesn't always, doesn't always approach things this way anymore? Does it concern you that elders and preachers don't seem to care about Bible authority at all? We're still trying to do everything according to the New Testament pattern. If you're looking for a church like the one you remember from the past, Please visit us soon at the College of Church of Christ this Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Hello, my name's Jeffrey Vernon. I'm 13, and this is the Virtual Bible Study. That was me five years ago. Now I'm 18, and I still love listening to the Virtual Bible Study. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. Uh, lots of good chatter in the chat room tonight. Uh, we uh, need to catch some of that as we talk about uh, paying the price. Um, Guest 18 says, so then should we never feel at home in this world? If we're truly comfortable in this world, perhaps we're not really of this world and not God's kingdom. Yeah, I think there's some there's some justification to that sort of thinking. Uh, in Hebrews 11, when it talks about some of the great heroes of the Old Testament yes. period, uh, it says, 
uh, Hebrews 11:13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims uh, on the earth. Uh, for they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country, and truly, if they had been mindful of that country from which they came out, they might have had an opportunity to, to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is a heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared for them a city. You know, I think that's a that is a good uh, observation, and I think that we have the problem that we have is that we're too comfortable here in this world, and uh, there's not a lot of motivation and a longing uh, for a heaven because you know, could it be much better than what I've got right here? Yeah. Uh, or maybe it is better, but I'm I'm pretty happy where I am. Yeah. Guest 18 says, I was just waiting for the peculiar people verse. Great minds think alike, great minds influenced by good mor- uh, morals. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's refer- I think he's referring to 1 Peter 2, uh, verse 9. A cho- you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Yep. That you should draw- show forth the praise of him that called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And guest 310 asked the question, should you ever baptize someone prior to making the changes in the, their life or after? I guess so. If if you know there's a there's a problem in someone's life, should you baptize? Well, no. I mean, if if they, I, I, I give you an example. One time I was studying with a young man who wanted to be baptized. I I didn't know his his circumstances at all. But in the course of our discussion, he brought up that he was living with his girlfriend unmarried. He was asking to be baptized. At the moment I said, well, we got to deal with this before we can go further, and so. Uh, we arranged to, uh, to study further and to study with him and his girlfriend together. End up that they were both got married and were both baptized. Uh, so, you know, what he's saying there, he he told me he said I'm not I, I'm living with my girlfriend and I'm not married to her and I'm not sure I can I can can stop that. And so what he was saying is I'm not willing to repent. Well, what's the use of baptizing somebody if they're not willing to repent? Right, right. Anthony, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think. Um... Yeah, I think in that situation, I mean, it. Well, here's, you know, it depends. I mean, uh, well, here's the thing. Okay, okay. Let's say you didn't. You didn't tell him that. He's baptized and he remains remains living with his girlfriend. Does it matter that you baptized him? It really doesn't. I mean, he's not going to inherit the kingdom of heaven that way. I mean, so yeah, it's it's it'd be, it'd be useless. So we're we're not. Uh, that would be an example, I think, of telling people not explaining the cost of discipleship to someone. If you're sa- if you're not even making it clear that they have to repent before they become a disciple, we got to we got to tell them that. I All think right, for sure. You had one more real, question. real quickly. Uh, we're just about out of time, but we asked the question: When Jesus said things like "Let the dead bury the dead," was he being too mean, hard-hearted, or overly demanding? The text that we have in mind here is Matthew eight. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 22, um, it says, When Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave commandment to depart to the other side. A certain scribe came and said to him, Master, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. Jesus said to him, The foxes have their holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And another disciple said to him, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Follow me and let the dead bury the dead. So when one guy said, I want to follow you, he said, the the foxes have their holes and the birds have the nest. The son of man doesn't have where to lay his head. I think that was a count the cost kind of a statement that he was making to the fellow. Yeah, he didn't say, come with me, your life will be rosy. Come to me and, and you can live in my mansion yeah. with me. Tell you what, God wants you to be rich. Yeah. Uh, and then the other fellow said, let me first go and bury my father. Most commentators, if you read after that verse, will say that, it was not the case that his father was already dead. That, oh, that, what, oh, yeah, that yeah. what the guy was saying is, I have certain obligations. For instance, I, my elderly father, I've got to take he care of him. I've got to take care of him, and after I get those things squared away, then I'll come and follow you. And, and so Jesus' response to him in that light certainly makes sense. You've got, you've got to commit here. You know, you you can't postpone this until you get all your ducks in a row, so to speak. Right. And I, I think that's the better explanation of that. I don't think he was being hard-hearted. Certainly, we have plenty of examples of Jesus demonstrating a real compassion for people and for their life circumstances. I, I, I've got some right now. I'll just mention one. Matthew 23, verse 37. 
O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent to thee. How oft I would have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, but ye would not. In other words, Jesus was compassionate upon the lost condition of the people. He was a very compassionate person, obviously, by all he taught, did, and certainly by his sacrificial death. Jesus was compassionate. I don't think it'd be fair to say when Jesus demanded total commitment to him that he's being uncompassionate. He was just saying, you've got to commit here. And if you don't commit, you're not going to be where you need to be spiritually. You know, another statement of Jesus that some might think sounds extreme or excessive, Matthew 5 uh, 29, if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Well, Jesus says, man, is that what he's asking? i got to pluck out my eye, i got to cut off my hand. I, I mean, come on, that's just too much, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, come on, this religion but, stuff. Really, what Jesus is saying there is that the principle is get, get rid of anything. Pay whatever cost you have to pay to save your soul. Uh, the, the principle is that one that that uh, is recorded in Mark chapter 8, verses 36 and 37, when he said, What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Jesus, in all of this teaching, Jesus is just saying, one thing matters. Don't let anything come between you and going to heaven. That's all that ultimately matters. All right. Chris in Georgia says he was illustrating the importance of putting him first in everything regardless of cost. He was not being hard-hearted, but using the opportunity to teach everyone for all ages an important concept. I think that's right. All right. Chris in the U.K. says the burial of the dead, especially of one's close kin, was sacred duty in first century Judaism. It took precedence over virtually all other religious obligations. Jesus' response was intended to shock his audience. He was pressing the radical claims of the kingdom above even the most fundamental obligation of kinship. In effect, he was saying uh, he was saying. Uh, response to God's call is the uh, most fundamental obligation of all. I think that's right. So, uh, again, a good comments there from Chris. And Don says, no, he simply meant to set your priorities. Either you want to follow him and compete with complete commitment, or you don't. What about when he referred to others as hypocrites, white sepulchers, serpents, generation of vipers, blind guides, false prophets, children of hell, ravening wolves, and workers of iniquity? Was that being mean or hard-hearted? In other words, Jesus spoke. He, didn't, he, he used didn't, strong didn't language. He used strong language. And I think some people today would be put off by Jesus if they heard him speak. Because, again, as Don said earlier in his email, there, uh, the, the, the prevailing sentiment in religion is judge none, love all. And, and, and I think there would be plenty of people who would condemn Jesus himself. Oh, yeah. If they heard him say those oh, things. Yeah. And Anthony, you said Jesus was being blunt, perhaps, but we have to keep in mind, too, that he knew the heart of all men and knew precisely what to say to each person so as to prick their hearts while not being mean. Yeah. And again, I would argue the explanation there that Jesus was was more saying to the man who, who was basically saying, I'll, I'll follow you when I've got everything else in order. Wait for me until I get everything in order, then I'll come and be your disciple. And Jesus say, no, that's, that's, that's the wrong approach here. This has got to be first, more so than waiting to get everything fulfilled and accomplished in your life. Serve me. All right. Well, we've had a good comment, a good discussion, good comments from our listeners tonight. Um, I guess there's some uh, self-evaluation that needs to be done. Yeah, certainly so. Are we are we all counting the cost? Are we paying the price? Now, count the cost is one thing. Now, pay the price. Are we paying the price to be faithful disciples of the Lord? You know, Anthony, we live in a society, a religious culture, that uh, sort of looks down on any kind of inconvenience that religion might cause us or sacrifice, and we need to make sure that uh, we don't allow that thinking to influence us. Right. We, you know, we've got to just follow the Bible and do what, do what it says. And, uh, you know, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So we have work that we need to be doing, and we, we have to be careful not to uh, be uh, charmed by this idea that, you know, that we can just put things on cruise control. And, In the uh, chat room, Henry P. Uh, makes a good comment. You've heard this probably, but I think it's a good statement. If he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. 
a good way to wrap it up for tonight. All right. Well, uh, Dad, thank you for a good discussion. Thanks, Jacob. Enjoyed it. Thanks, Anthony, for being behind the controls. Job well done. Oh, thank you. My pleasure. And uh, thank you for joining us on the other end of the line tonight, whether you're listening to us live or you're listening to us in the recorded version. If you are listening to us in the recorded version, our website is thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Check it out and send us some comments if you have anything that you'd like to add to tonight's discussion or have questions or comments about anything you've heard on uh, the Virtual Bible Study in the past. We look forward to hearing from you. We look forward to you being back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.